Good day. Welcome to the Corey Morgan Show. I am, as the name would imply, Corey Morgan with the Western Standard. This is a, my weekly show where I cover some national issues, get a monologue out there, talk to what usually are some pretty interesting people, and cover some news stories. And uh, yes, today I've got actually Western Standard reporter Arthur Green on. He's been covering the fires in Alberta that are that are still burning. It looks like we're getting a bit of a break, but they're still uh, burning in some areas and there's been a, a lot of people displaced and evacuated. So Arthur's been out there on the ground talking to people, taking pictures, of course, and doing all the things a good reporter will. So we'll get an update on where all that's sitting right now. As well, we'll check in with our news editor, Dave Naylor, in a short while. So uh, this being a live show, at least for most of you, uh, be sure to use that comment section. You know, good to see you there. 408 Magenta, Scott Campbell, checking in. And, uh, you know, use it for conversation, send questions my way, send questions my guest's way. I won't necessarily read them all on the air, but, uh, you know, it's, it's worth watching. I see them all and uh, just keep it civil. Of course, we have plenty of time to fight on other platforms. All right. So I'm going to get on to, you know, what the title was about with this and Trudeau kind of abandoning the Liberal Party. I know it sounds a little uh, inflammatory almost, and it was meant to be, but there's some truth to this. This is an unusual thing sort of happened here. So I can explain a little on how policy development and how uh, elected officials have to follow party policies. Is uh, Sometimes people are confused about it. So elected individuals, they're actually independent of the parties they're, they're members of. I mean, if you're an MLA or an MP, you are legally bound to represent your constituents, not necessarily the party, even though you're tightly tied to the party. Uh, so MLAs, MPs, they can be ejected from their own parties if they cross too many lines, but there's no legal obligation of any kind for an elected official to support the policies of a political party. And that's the way it should be. Elected officials must be free to be able to put the interests of their constituents ahead of the interests of their party. If only they did that more often. Now, Prime Minister Trudeau, that's something you don't hear from me very often, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is correct in distancing himself from a bizarre and rather outrageous policy resolution proposed and accepted by the Liberal Party membership at their last convention. Their policy calls for Ottawa to, and this is in quotes, explore options to hold online information services accountable for the veracity of material published on their platform and to limit publication only to material where sources can be traced. Now, in other words, what they're saying with all that word salad there is they want to ban publication of news stories that are based on anonymous sources. Now, Canada's protection of whistleblowers is already terribly weak, and it forces government operatives with a conscience to either stay silent when they see government malfeasance or to leak information in in what they feel is the public interest. Now, a few of them are going to leak if their anonymity can't be protected. Anonymous sources, I mean, they're important. They exposed some of the atrocities committed in the Vietnam War by American soldiers. I mean, that helped change some of the tone on things, as well as the government efforts to cover it up. Anonymous sources also brought improper national security agent surveillance activities that had been conducted against U.S. citizens and foreign officials to light in 2013. The government had overstepped, and anonymous sources exposed that. And, of course, who can forget the Watergate scandal? Well, that never would have been exposed without anonymous sources. Currently in Canada, somebody well-connected with CSIS has been leaking document after document on Chinese Communist Party interference in Canadian elections and affairs, while the government's ignored the issue. So it's a little wonder that authoritarians in any government and the Liberal Party of Canada loyalists want to ban the use of anonymous sources and stories. It doesn't make such a ban right, though, or feasible. Such a policy would surely turn the national press against the Liberal government, finally. And it would likely be found to be unconstitutional once it hit the courts, and it would. Even Trudeau knows this. Even Trudeau. And with uncharacteristic clarity, he said that policy is not a policy we would ever implement. 
Thing is, though, that puts the prime minister at loggerheads with his own party. And it could threaten the solidarity within a party known to typically run a pretty tight ship. I mean, Liberal Party members d debated the policy in good faith and expect their leader they support to follow through with it. Now, look, members of political parties and all of them create bad policies at their conventions all the time. This isn't new. Conventions tend to be dominated by activists within the parties and their resolutions can often be unrealistic. Usually, though, political leaders will just quietly ignore the bad policy resolutions and hope the members will be satisfied with that. It's unusual when a leader has to come out swinging and condemn their own party's policy before the ink has even been dried on the resolution, though. And that's just how bad this Liberal Party notion is. Policy re resolutions, though, do reflect the leanings of party stalwarts, even if they may never actually make it into government bills. The Trudeau government has been at war with the free press for years, so it isn't surprising that Trudeau's supporters felt emboldened enough to pass a policy calling for something as absurd and intrusive as trying to ban the use of anonymous sources and stories. Almost every move by the Trudeau government in the last few years has been focused on the control of citizens, whether through illegalizing types of hunting firearms or bills to control media, such as C-18 and C-11, which are solutions looking for a problem. And those, those bills are threatening free expression and free press. The government's obsessed with trying to control national, national messaging, and they push those bills through, despite criticism from press, academia, and even some of their own senators. Now, like eager children trying to impress parental figures, the Liberal Marty members likely felt Trudeau would have been giddy with their move to try and further handicap Canada's free press. They didn't realize how far out of bounds they were going. Instead of being applauded by their leader, they found themselves chided by him. Now, will the sullen and rebuked Liberal members now just back off and accept their leader's rejection of their policies? Or well, we're going to finally see some cracks start to form in that party. Trudeau's been a leader their leader for a long time, and surely there's some ambitious souls within the party ready to take a crack at the top job. So for a change, Trudeau decisively and quickly did the right thing. And ironically, that might be the beginning of the end of his worship status within the Liberal Party. Hell hath no fury like that of a Liberal member scorned. Well, that's what's got me with the federal news today and seeing what's happening. So we'll see how that goes over with his party members. I, I can't see them being too amused with that. You put that time in, you have the debate in, and then Within days, the, the Prime Minister said, ah, well, no, 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 we're not doing what they say. Well, what's the point of being a member? All right, well, let's check in and see what else is going on out there with our news editor, Dave Naylor. There's plenty happening, and uh, I'm sure Dave's going to let us know all about it. Hey, Dave, how's it going? It's going well, Corey. Uh, you know we're only two months away from the stampede, eh? Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. So today on the grounds, you know, they have. are you, are you a fan of the Midway food? I, I am, actually. I, I do like trying weird things. Okay, well, here's the lineup of this year's weird and wonderful things. If you just want to say yes or no, whether you try it. So, ketchup and mustard ice cream. I'd try it. Peanut butter pickle hot dog. Yeah, I'd give that a crack. I don't even know what this is. A poutine colossal onion. Sounds mm -hmm. like, who knows? What about a $100 hot dog called the jalapeno cheddar gut buster? Well, I'd try it as long as it wasn't 100 bucks, but, you know, we work for the standard, right? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, elk pizza. Elk pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd go out of my way for that. Yeah, elk's pretty good. Yeah. And finally, habanero cherry ice cream tacos. Oh, that sounds horrific. That one I might have a difficulty trying. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, only uh, only two months to go until you can. Oh, but, great. Uh, yeah, another obviously busy day with uh, fires and election stuff. But uh, websites leading off with something uh, a little on the lighter side today with a uh, impaired driver arrested down in the States wearing a 
full-size human costume of uh, a Bud Light can. Uh, so the picture's up on our website, and it's very strange, and uh, uh, no word on whether it's related to the uh, all the current Bud Light uh, controversy. Uh, we've got uh, bank records being released by the Republicans in uh, the United States that show the Biden family has quietly pocketed uh, uh, $10 million from uh, foreign nationals. So it looks like uh, Trump's not the only president uh, who's getting himself into some hot water. Uh, we've got an epic trolling of the CBC today, uh, uh, Corey, by uh, Elon Musk. You remember uh, CBC got all indignant about being labeled government-funded media, so they pulled, uh, they, they stopped going on Twitter. Well, they announced yesterday that uh, they're, they're going to come back, and Elon Musk uh, sort of did the old um, Brokeback Mountain theme that uh, uh, I wish I knew how to quit you, CBC is uh, saying to him. So that's, uh, that's a good laugh. And uh, the UCP has requested a uh, investigation by Elections Alberta into uh, potentially illegal funding by uh, Alberta unions uh, into their campaign. So uh, we've got that uh, and, uh, and lots more to come as uh, we keep uh, readers uh, updated on the, on the wildfires uh, and the election. All right, on. Yeah, it's good to have a little light stuff. We write enough dark stuff all the time. I'll let you go, and I'll start saving up for some Maalox. Maybe we'll try some of those foods on the air once uh, Stampede Week gets going. All right, it's a date. All right, Dave, thanks. So that is the Western Standards News Editor, Dave Naylor. And yes, aside from Stampede Foods and uh, weirdos driving around in Bud Light cans, we, we also, of course, have constant news stories coming out. We have reporters all across Canada covering events and and. Uh, getting that stuff out there. We'll put out more stories per day than most of the mainstream outlets now on the westernstandard.news. The reason we can do it, and the reason I can get on that high horse and shoot at groups like the CBC is that we don't take any tax funding. We're subscription-based. We rely on you guys to keep us honest and to keep us in business. So if you haven't uh, subscribed yet with the Western Standard, get on there, guys. westernstandard.news slash membership, $9.99 a month, $99 a year. You get full access past the paywall to everything that's going on on our site, all our columnists, our news copy and all that. And of course, it helps us remain independent and keep doing it. All right. So, yeah, before we get to Arthur, I'll talk about a few other things here. The, the, the thing that Dave mentioned with Twitter, you know, and it's interesting. It's really been interesting watching Musk taking that over. I mean, he, he plays with it almost like a, a kid who's, you know, got a new toy, except he's a kid with, with hundreds of billions of dollars buying some pretty influential toys. I mean, a few things have been interesting since he bought it. It's driven the left into a complete tizzy. And it really hasn't gotten that bad. It hasn't turned into the cesspool of hate and misery that some people say it has. Hey, yeah, there's a bunch of trolls on there and there's some jerks. But you know what you do? You block them. Holy cow. Yeah, you just block them. It's not that hard. And people learn to do that. And it hasn't gone away. He laid off, what, 75% of the Twitter staff. And guess what? It's still running. It's still doing okay. It should have died. Any other company, if you lay off 75% of their staff, you're going to have some serious, serious problems. Twitter's doing fine. Now... Part of his battle was CBC, yeah, you know, and he's been doing that with other news outlets because he dared to label them as being government funded. But they are government funded. I mean, they're a state broadcaster. So, I mean, it was an accurate label, but they got very upset. And the CBC had a tantrum and said, we're not going to come on to your uh, outlet or your channel anymore with Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that didn't last very long. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, like a smoker threatening to quit. And you find them behind the building smoking cigarettes or, in this case, uh, Busk's little meme with them not being able to... Uh, quit each other either way something else that's interesting that's been coming on the news now tucker carlson who's had his his battle um 
with uh, uh, Fox News and he's gone. He's out. Uh, you know, there, there's a whole mess going on there and everything. But now it's been announced that he's going to take his show to Twitter. Now, this is a big deal. I mean, he has a huge audience. And this could really change what Twitter is all about. Now, Twitter, for those who don't use it, I mean, it's a short-form site. It started with, I think, only, what, 140 or 180 characters you could use for short messaging at each other, but quick and spreading fast. And it's, it's a useful tool for, for some degree. It's not good for extended debate. But it, it, now it's carrying video and it's carrying other things. And when you bring somebody like Tucker Carlson on, he's going to do his show on Twitter. He's going to bring millions of viewers on, not just people who tweet, but view. This is a whole new platform. This is not YouTube. This is not uh, TikTok or any of those things. This is through Twitter. And uh, one of the things I, I saw Elon Musk tweeted about is somebody else saying, you know, this could become the whole new podcast platform. And I see that's what Musk ha has in mind. And if anybody could pull it off, uh, very possibly Elon Musk. I mean, right now we are streaming this show, uh, I believe, live to Twitter. Yes, we are. And uh, you can see that streaming on there. Well, we're going to see more and we're going to see bigger names. And uh, as my name grows, eventually I'll compete directly with, with Mr. Tucker. But I still got a little ways to go. But uh, it, it's a big development. It really is in the evolution of social media. You know, these, these uh, social media giants, they don't move quickly or easily most often. And, and uh when you see uh, somebody like Musk getting in there and stirring it up with that stick, though, you, you see some things changing pretty dramatically and fast. So watching Tucker on there, as you see with the commenter, Deb continues saying, I, I might have to check out Twitter now. Yes, you know, maybe it's worth having a look because uh, he's not just static. I think that's part of the problem with some of these social media giants, too. They come up with something successful and then it just stays the same until it sort of wears down and fades out. And you have to evolve. You have to keep up. You have to do different things if you want it to keep managing. So uh, Mary Don Smith saying, I'll have to sign up for Twitter if Tucker's going to be there. Uh, Fox News can pound sand. You know, and similar to the, the Bud Light thing. Know your audience, guys. Know your audience. Now, I understand there was a problem. It looked like Fox News had lost a giant lawsuit with Dominion voting machines. And it was due to stuff that Tucker said on his show. We're talking $700 million, not a small amount. Um, and in the end, it led to them firing him I, I, as a business decision. I don't know. But I mean, it, he he's taking his, his uh, viewers with him. Uh, likewise with Bud Light, as Dave mentioned, some, some guy driving around drunk dressed as a Bud Light can. Bud Light has turned itself into a joke. It's turned itself into a caricature. And their sales are down now 18% all over an idiotic relationship they decided to build with a social media influencer. I mean, I, I, I believe it or not, I really don't. I don't care about trans people. Go for it. If it makes you feel better, you're an adult. I wish you all the best. But these, these businesses falling over backwards to try and embrace some of this stuff and not realizing who their business base is, they're paying a price for it. And they're getting stung. So Fox's loss might be Twitter's gain. And uh, likewise, Bud Light, it was always crappy beer, but now people can switch to a crappy Coors Light instead. Well, it's up to them. It's their businesses, but they're evolving and going. All right, let's get on to stuff a little more domestic and bring in Arthur Green, uh, Western Standard, Alberta, main reporter up there in the legislature and talk about his coverage on the uh, forest fires and wildfires we've had running uh, pretty rampant here in Alberta for almost a couple weeks now. How's it going, Arthur? It's going, Corey. Yeah, so I mean, you got an opportunity to get out there and get on the road, though it was pretty serious business. Uh, you, you went out there to, to Drayton Valley and some of the, the fire-affected areas, and, and you got some uh, on-the-ground coverage on what's happening out there, did you? 
I did. Uh, like I said, uh, I told Nigel a couple of days ago, I, uh, I went to Drayton Valley on, on Friday evening and uh, managed to uh, get past the, uh, the roadblocks, having a, a media idea around my neck. And uh, I, I was right in the, uh, in the forest fire zone, Corey. I mean, it was, uh, it was quite hot and smoky in, in many places and uh, uh, quite concerning. I mean, um, you know, when you're the only person in a town uh, with just firemen, EMS, and police, and, and forestry officers, and everyone else is going the other way. It's uh, it's quite scary. Uh, but, you know, as of last night, the UCP government is holding a, a town hall for fire evacuees now. Um, so every evening at around 7.30 uh, from May 9th to May 14th, um, you can call in. It's virtual. So the number is one 800 And I'll just say that number again, one 833-30-0691. And it's a, it's a, a virtual conference where uh, anyone who's evacuated, they can join a nightly uh, telephone town hall uh, for updates to the fire situation. And the uh, the Alberta government will uh, also listen and answer questions. Well, that's good to see, you know, because a problem that I've seen happen over and over in disasters across the country or incidents as they're breaking off. And if a government's going to mess up in any way, it's not communicating enough or it's allowing misinformation to sort of run rampant. So, I mean, giving a, a centralized spot where people can get information uh, you know, it's a good plan. I mean, people need to be up to date. I mean, some people are hearing that the evacuation's off, the evacuation's on, this area is burning, this area isn't. So they can find some clarity at these town hall meetings. Uh, that's correct, Corey. As of last night, I mean, uh, we, we did see a drop in wildfire rate. Uh, it went from 103, I believe, to, uh, to 88 wildfires. Um, of course, 24 of them are still out of control, and the, uh, the government continues... The battle this morning, I know the uh, Smith did call uh, Justin Trudeau earlier this week, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, for uh, for the military um, to come here to Alberta on the ground. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to keep up to date because the, the situation uh, changes so rapidly, uh, Corey. You know, we did have some rain in the past 24 hours, but, you know, there's other areas in Alberta, in northern Alberta, that didn't get this rain and uh, continues to be quite dry in those areas. So there's a full uh, there's a full fire ban on uh, on all of Alberta, and uh, you know you talked about the the people that were evacuated. We we saw um, you know roughly twenty nine thousand people leave their homes uh, over the weekend, and um, now that number is roughly down to twenty four thousand. So we are we are seeing. Uh, some individuals being allowed to be back into their homes. Um, again, uh, Parkland County fire officials told me that uh, it could take upwards to a year uh, for some of the smoldering areas uh, to decipher and be put out. And, and you know, the Parkland County is actually investigating uh, the causes of these fires and uh, some of the fires they believe to, uh, to be intentionally started, Corey. Yeah, if some lunatic has been out there intentionally starting them, I hope they catch whoever it is and, and deal with them as severely as possible. That's just horrific to think. Uh, unfortunately, it's a it's a mad world. Uh, speaking of which, though, I mean, you'd worry about uh, vigilantism or, or, you know, false rumors. You wouldn't want somebody who didn't, uh, you know, start the fire. I mean, that's part of the problems that happen with these things. But, but something else you reported on and you caught was uh, looters have been showing up in Drayton Valley, unfortunately, and, and trying to rob places. And uh, some of them uh, tried to rob the wrong guy. 
Um, they did. Uh, I did interview a, a Newfoundlander. Um, again, I I will explain uh, the situation uh, to the Drayton Valley listeners right now. Um, so I headed to the evacuation center. Uh, being a news reporter, I uh, I like to talk to people, and I and I spoke to you know t- upwards of twenty people that day, thirty people, and uh, I found one Newfoundlander who told me that he returned home for man's best friend um, to find people looting his house. Uh, now there's a bigger story. To this, Corey, as uh, Drayton Valley residents have uh, have contacted me and told me that the uh, the Newfoundlander is actually an alleged criminal himself, and uh, I've been I've been talking to the RCMP for the last couple of days, uh, trying to get Mr. Dove's uh, criminal history, and I've I've spoken um, to people in Drayton Valley who have had dealings with him in the past. So uh, it, it just surprised me, Corey, that you know. Being a news reporter, yes, we do dig into people, but when we're doing an evacuation story, you know, we wouldn't assume that someone who is allegedly uh, a criminal and stealing vehicle, allegedly stealing vehicles and property would actually come to the news to ask for gas money from, from Albertans after being uh, evacuated. So I, I just found that quite uh, astounding and, and ironic, Corey. Well, that's part of the problem, I guess. Yeah, misinformation can can be spread, but we follow up and, and we dig further. So, I mean, for those unfamiliar with Drayton Valley, too, I worked there a lot when I was back in the oil field. It is kind of a special sort of town. There's some fantastic people there, but there's always been a, quite a bit of a rough element there as well. Uh, I mean, something that was confirmed, the police did find some actual looters in the act at a gas station, I believe, at one point early in the evacuation. Yeah, that's correct. On uh, On Friday night, um, when everyone else was left the town, uh, they did find four individuals breaking into a, to a gas station trying to score uh, while people are trying to uh, get out of this town, which, uh, you know, I don't really state an opinion too often, Corey, but like it, that just seems like the lowest of the low to me, you know, you prey on people when they're, when they're down and out and at the worst, uh, you know, hard enough leaving everything you worked your entire life for behind and wondering if it's going to be swallowed by fire, but then having to worry that someone's going to break in as well. Like it just, it's appalling to me. So as you said, you've spoken with Parkland County officials and others. So, I mean, the fire sort of backed off a bit or, you know, but they're still burning. As you said, they could burn for a year, but that hasn't stopped them from working. So, I mean, the reason they're allowing some people back to Entwistle and some of those smaller towns is that they've also cut some fire breaks and done things so that if it flares up again, the, the, the areas where people live will be uh, safe, hopefully. So I imagine that activity is still ongoing as well around those towns. Uh, it is. Uh, the, the fire chief in, in Parkland County last night said, you know, they're, they're actively working very hard to, to still combat the issues that they're facing. Um, they're very tired, uh, obviously. Um, but it's amazing to watch how fire moves, Corey. Uh, you know, I was in and whistle with the uh, with the premier. She picked me up on the side of the road, believe it or not. Um, anyway, I was in and whistle with, with the premier. And it's a, it's amazing to see how fire moves and, and how like it can start and stop in, in an instant. Uh, you know, I, I did view one house that uh, had some property damage and it, it appears that the, uh, the, the owners of the house used to uh, regularly water their lawn and the, the watered lawn actually like kept the fire from, from going to the house. And then it just, you know, found the dry brush next to the watered lawn and continued on. So it, it was amazing to just see how, how devastating and how quickly fire can move and cross rivers and roads. 
park across yeah. the road. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's expected. I mean, the, the cooler weather has slowed it down and a few have gotten brought under control, but, but some others are still burning. It's supposed to get hot again next week, though. Uh, but I guess, uh, like, this is the turning point. This is the spring fire season. As you pointed out, a dry lawn will burn, but a green one won't. And in this period of the last few days with cooler weather and a little bit of rain, hopefully some more of the leaves are popping and things like that, because that'll slow the fire as well. They're not going to have all that dry stuff to feed on, even if it gets hotter again. Uh, that's correct, Corey. I mean, we're we're praying for rain in Alberta, of course. Now, uh, as it gets hot again the weekend, I would I would assume that the uh, the fire count number will rise again. Now, of course, we'll have uh, more personnel on the ground. I, I know that... Um, Wildfire uh, Alberta did say that there was upwards of 100 people from the private sector, uh, which emailed yesterday to volunteers. So, you know, Albertans are, are tough and strong, uh, Corey. We're resilient people. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing to, to watch how communities are starting to come together when we've been divided for, for so long. Well, and I mean, I, I certainly don't want to make light of what's happening now, but so far, Anyways, I mean, as scary as it's been and as awful as it is for the, the nearly 30,000 people who got displaced from their homes, uh, when we compare this to the, the Fort McMurray fire of, of some years ago when basically a whole large segment of the town burned to the ground, I, I know some communities such as the Whitefish uh, Settlement and others have lost some houses in, in some other areas, I think in South Drayton, but for the most part, uh, we've been very fortunate in, in a lack of, of uh, homes lost so far. Um, there hasn't been an updated number yet on, on homes that have been lost. Again, now, I've been to a couple of the towns, and uh, out of respect for Albertans, I, I didn't post any pictures of, uh, of burned houses uh, in the fear that, you know, they would go on our website or online and see their house burn. But uh, Parkland County did confirm that one house was uh, was completely lost and some outbuildings. Um I plan on, again, uh, covering an election is quite busy, but then covering a wildfire during an election is even more busier. I plan on trying to, to get to rural Alberta uh, this weekend and, and maybe talk to uh, some of the homeowners. So if there's any homeowners that are, are property owners that are watching right now that uh, experience damage and you want me to come view that damage, uh, you can just fire me an email. It's uh, Art Green or A Green, sorry, at westernstandard.news. Great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another aspect of the, the, that area is kind of a very much mixed brush and agricultural. Actually, my, my wife stables her, her horse uh, out uh, west of Entwistle. So, like uh, livestock is another big concern up that way. Have, have a lot of people managed to move their livestock fast enough to get them out of harm's way before the fires got there? Again, Corey, those details are, are scarce as well. I mean, uh, in a lot of the places, they still have to wait for, for smoke to clear to be able to do uh, to do some assessments. But uh, uh, the government did say that they did have uh, some livestock that was moved. Uh, and again, um, once I get to rural Alberta this weekend, I'm hoping to uh, to speak with some farmers that were able to, uh, to save their livestock or, or vice versa. And uh, I I understand that the uh, the government is uh, is quite busy. Uh, I spoke to Mike Ellis uh, just before this interview, actually, and uh, you know he he's kind of taking a step back because he he's still the minister and uh, he's taking a step back from his campaign to uh, help the people of Alberta. And you know <laughs> the the election, like I said, is is busy for for our politicians, but now that it will become immensely busy and. and 
you know, I won't say it's hindering uh, their campaigns, but, uh, you know, the safety of Albertans is their top priority, and, and that's what I've been told. So. All right. And just to, to pivot before we close, because you spoke to Mike Ellis, you spoke to him on some uh, other election issues. We'll just kind of turn away from the fire for a moment. He spoke some other stuff because part of his responsibility <laughs> is, is the, uh, the opioid e epidemic. Uh, that's correct. So I, I did have an exclusive phone call with uh, with Mike Ellis, like I said, just before this happened. And uh, I was at the announcement yesterday uh, where the UCP vows to uh, put ankle bracelets on uh, on violent offenders that are out on bail. Um, during our conversation, you know, we talked about the difference between left wing and right wing policies. And, and Corey, I know you follow me and I drive you nuts on Twitter. Um, but, you know, we've been labeled right wing and Mike kind of like doesn't understand why people are labor are labeling people who care about the city right wing. Uh, not sure how that became a, a right wing policy, but uh, you know, he, he said that I, I inquired about how many bracelets we're going to need and uh, he, he couldn't give me that number right then. But uh, I also inquired about the cost of this, uh, this program. And, you know, Ellis told me there is a, uh, there is a cost associated with uh, fitting out uh, criminals with ankle bracelets, of course, but uh, he doesn't really care about how much it costs because there is no price on Albertan safety. So, No, I mean, you know, he's still cost really does matter eventually, but yeah, you have to prioritize the outcome over the expense at times, and it's important. He's got a tough job to juggle uh, as long with a, an election going on and, and wildfires burning all over, as do you, and, and lots of stuff to cover. So, I'll let you go and thank you again for coming on to bring us up to date with what you've seen and I'll uh, let you get back to covering what you will. There's lots of stories to cover for you right now. The news doesn't stop, Corey, neither do uh, the Western Standard. So here we go. Right on. Okay, thanks, Arthur. I'll talk to you later. That is the, the Western Standard's Arthur Green. Yes, our, as somebody pointed out, it's not a Northern Alberta accent. No, he is from the grand area of Newfoundland, but he's a great Albertan now, and he's doing a lot of work out there and a lot to cover. Uh, Karen Mitchell saying, what's wrong with right wing? I'd probably say I'm right wing versus a left wing nutcase uh, commenter there. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I don't think what Arthur or Mike Ellis, I'm just reading in, was getting at so much is that it's bad to necessarily be right or left, but when you do get it to the point where you embrace it and... Uh, avoid taking on policies or dodge or bury your head in the sand. And I think people who get too immersed in ideology, whether left or right, can be prone to doing that and going too far. Then you can cause policy problems, right? So, you know, it shouldn't be left or right when we're talking about public safety and uh, whether that's fires or the opioid epidemic or things like that. Now, when we see how it's dealt with, though, there definitely is a right-left divide. You know, I've, I've talked about that on this show. I've ranted about it. When I talk about results-based policy. I don't care what your ideology says. I want to see results. We're seeing the results of permissive, uh, light-on-crime, hug-a-thug policies, years of it. Trudeau uh, federally making it easier and easier for violent criminals to get bail. Uh, likewise, you know, with the, the drug enablement policies, uh, rather than trying to, uh, you know, bring the public order in, instead we're uh, handing out uh, free drugs and, and drug consumption supplies and things such as that. And it's not working. If it worked, I'd be all for it. You know, if, if enablement for drug use worked, if we saw in Portland where they've been trying it, uh, that, that their overdoses had fallen down and people are getting into treatment, I'd say, carry on, do more of it. Absolutely. 
but it's not working. Their overdoses went up. In San Francisco, a light on crime approach, they basically decriminalized shoplifting. They really did. And now businesses have had to shut down all over San Francisco. People are retreating from that city. I mean, San Francisco used to be a West Coast gem, a, a, a character city, a beautiful city, uh, older buildings, the hills, all that. Nobody's going to visit there now. People are getting stabbed in the streets all over the place. Businesses can't open because their windows are getting smashed or shoplifters just come in and steal stuff. And the addicts are just everywhere. It's not working. Accept what won't work and change things. So what we have in Alberta... And we're seeing that battle happening here. We're seeing it happening everywhere. We're seeing it in Toronto. We're seeing it in Vancouver. Is battles between people saying that's enough. Let's crack down and regain order. And there's still the enablement crowd going on. Uh, something I'm going to be following up in, with in Calgary. You know, the, people have had enough. They're demanding safety on the transit system. And uh, it, it's funny. that the, well, It's not funny. But the timing of uh, some events. I mean, well, of course, it happens so constantly, it's not that surprising. So Premier Smith makes her announcement on wanting to, yes, have bailed violent people uh, having ankle bracelets, so at least we could trace them. She can't change the bail system. That's federal. But provincially, we have to administer all that. We have the police. We have the provincial uh, jails and things like that. So perhaps we get ways we can at least track these violent ones, because awfully, horribly, and, and Arthur was reporting on that, uh, we had a stabbing up in Edmonton, a random one. A woman and a child were outside of a school, and this lunatic came up and stabbed them to death. And then he took off. It sounds like we, we found evidence later. He tried to get inside the school before that happened. And there was no relation between all of them. This was totally random. Just a madman, a murderous piece of crap. And uh, he was uh, shot, I believe, when the police apprehended him. He's in uh, uh, the ICU right now. And uh, we're... we're I don't think too many people, if, if somebody unplugs his unit to charge their iPhone, I don't know how many people would be sad about that. But either way, that happened. And it turns out, sure enough, this guy has a long, checkered, violent criminal history. He's a known, violent, dangerous person. And he was loose. And because he was loose, two innocent people died, murdered out of the blue for having dared be standing outside of a school. So yes, if... Premier Smith is going to get up and say, to hell with waiting for Ottawa to fix this broken system. And if she's going to get behind Gondek, yes, that's the mayor of Calgary who has this defund the police attitude, who right now is fighting against the province, fighting against the province. Her and her lefties on council, so it is left, right, when it comes to this, are trying to push back against the police reforms that the province are putting in. It's time to tell them to get stuffed. If Smith wants to take that over and take an approach that's going to bloody well work, then let her do it. Because I just want what works. And we know what doesn't. So what does Gondek do? What does Gondek do? Well, she sets aside, her and the council, $600,000. I'm not sure if I covered this in the last show or not. $600,000 for a six-month program. $100,000 a month to have washroom attendants in two of the city parks that are known to be overrun with addicts all the time. The washrooms are unusable because there are constantly addicts either spraying every kind of body fluid known to man within those bathrooms, those public washrooms, or taking the drugs within them and, and passing out within them and doing things like that, or just getting aggressive with people wanting to use them. Well, it turns out that contract, I mean, look at the cost, 600000 That contract's going to an advocacy group that's a hard, hard enablement-focused group that wants to give out more syringes and needles and things and, uh, you know, crack pipes to them. So, I mean, all we're doing is turning these bathrooms into consumption sites. We're not cleaning them up for the tourists and the commuters and the people working downtown, the taxpayers. So Gondek won't give up. That's what I'm talking about when you let your ideology blind you to the reality. So in other words, those bathrooms are more unusable than ever. If anything, these, these enablement people are just going to be 
designating those now. These are attic bathrooms. So at least you have somebody closer, uh, someone closer by to call if and when the inevitable overdoses happen. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And uh, I've got a piece that's going to be coming up on the Western Standard soon, a call on my rope. And you know what? We saw recently, uh, for people watching from across the country, because this is a big battle. This is a, uh, if you're looking at right versus left, Alberta's supposed to be the hard, you know, the home place of conservatism. Well, we've got apparently a very close election between a conservative party and an NDP, you know, a, a left-wing party. So uh, it sort of impacts the whole country with how this is going to be. Is it a bellwether? And a recent poll of 1,500 Albertans by phone, so not an online one, not a, you know, a, a polling company unheard of, Main Street uh, researches, Research, uh, put out a poll, and it found that it looks like the UCP is pulled away by 7% ahead of the NDP now, when they used to be neck and neck. Part of that, I think, is because Smith is putting out policy ideas. She's saying, we've got, here's the problem, here's our proposed solution. Here's a problem, here's our proposed solution. What is the NDP doing? They've had a campaign of nothing but fear-mongering, personal attacks, and constantly digging up stuff that Daniel Smith said years ago on podcasts or even on this show and, and, uh, and on her own radio show. And maybe some of the stuff Smith said was offensive or not so bright. But the bottom line is, it's not working. People have heard it all already. They've heard it. They know. Okay, Smith says things off the cuff. Smith is looking to do some things. Those who can't stand that have already gone offered. That's why the NDP is even up in the 40% level of support within Alberta. But you're not going to shift more at this point. You keep throwing out those video clips and things. You're not moving any more new people, you guys. I mean, maybe you're entrenching your own support. But when push comes to shove or voting, people are sick of it. They want to hear some solutions. So when you sit here and ignore the crime waves going on, by the way, this morning in Calgary, I was greeted by news stories of a knife laying on an LRT platform, a train platform, another stabbing, another one uh, person in critical condition in the hospital. Gee, I wonder why nobody wants to ride the train. Well, Smith is addressing those things. Maybe her approach will stink. Maybe her approach won't work, but at least she's willing to try. We already know what doesn't work. And I think that's the handicap the NDP are going to have because they had four years in Alberta and it sucked. And that's why Albertans fired them en masse four years ago. So even if Smith makes a lot of people uncomfortable, it's still a hell of a lot better than the NDP who have nothing aside from shooting outwards with personal attacks. Propose some solutions, Notley. Maybe you'll win some supporters. Right now, Smith's putting them out. The latest one they've been freaking out about was a recording of Daniel Smith talking at an event where she spoke of hospitals <clears throat> and uh, how they're managed by the Alberta Health Services. And she talked about maybe it's time to put it out to tender to bring in private management of those hospitals. <coughs> Pardon me. She's not talking about selling the hospitals, though that's how the NDP afraid she's going to sell off the hospitals and privatize them. No. She's talking about bringing in new management because the bureaucratic mess that's been made with this bloated monopoly system for so long uh, is failing. I mean, our waiting lists are growing. Our people are dying waiting to get into care. The emergency wait times are terrible. The staff are overworked. The hospitals are being run terribly, even if they've got really good people within them. Maybe it's time to talk about getting new people to manage them. Well, the NDP releases her saying that as if it's scandalous. How dare she? How dare she? question the sacred nature of Canada's health system, no matter how bad it gets. Getting back to result-based policy, guys, I want to see results. Well, you know what the results are right now? They suck. we got longer and longer and longer waiting times, and we're spending more and more and more money. So you know what? If Smith has the courage to say, let's get in and change some things, then good. Good. 
get out there and change them. And if you guys are going to declare that being scandalous, well, okay, that's fine. You know what? I want the NDP to stick to their current campaign theme because it doesn't seem to be work. Speaking of result-based policies. So, uh, no, she's not going to sell off the hospitals. She made it very clear, even in the clip that they played, the scandalous clip, Smith said, it'll stay within the bounds of the Canada Health Act. We're allowed to do it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not charging somebody to go in. It's just maybe paying somebody who's more competent than those, uh, you know, porky uh, bureaucrats that have bloated up the entire hospital system with their presence for this so long in a, in a, in a monopoly situation. I spoke recently, not too long ago, I have a close family member who's been, uh, you know, in, in, in care for mental health. So I've been spending a lot of time going to a hospital in Calgary to visit and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, yeah, they're busy in there. They're overwhelmed. They're, they're short of space. Things are, are getting dilapidated. And the big thing I noticed, though, the big thing I noticed when I go to the hospital on weekdays, man, it's hard to find parking space there. I got to circle and circle and look and search. When I show up on a weekend, loads of space. Ironic. You'd think more family be over visiting on weekends when they got time, and they are. So why is all the rest of the space taken up? Well, because that's, that's when all the administrators are there. That's when all the bureaucrats are there. That's when all the bloated problem with the hospital is happening. Sickness doesn't recognize time. Sickness doesn't work nine to five. But thousands of people in hospitals do, and we don't need them. We need treatment. So yes, Smith is looking to perhaps examine having new management. Good. Good. If it was any private company run like a hospital, you would have had new management in there a long time ago. So I, I, I've never seen such a full press against the candidate like we've seen with Smith. I'm not just talking to opposition parties. I'm talking, of course, the, well, the unions, as we expect, but the, uh, the media, the legacy media. I mean, they're just lined up against her. But you know why? You know why? Because she actually is talking about changing something. That scares the piss out of a lot of people. Changing something? How dare she? All we're allowed to do is spend more money and just keep pouring it into it. She actually wants to yank the chain. You know, it, it, people call it her, her biggest weakness, and there's truth to it. She, she is somebody who's impulsive, tends to say things off the cuff and just go for it with things. But you know what? Maybe it's time to have somebody who is impulsive. Give it a, a shake. Rattle that chain. See what shakes loose. I mean, we really don't have much to lose anymore. It's just in a slow decline so far, whether it's justice, whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, all sorts of things. And a lot of that comes down to, again, with the ones who don't want to change anything, Unions. So uh, we're seeing that across the country as well. I mean, look at that. We just got uh, put over the barrel by the federal civil service unions. And it, it, it's interesting because uh, they got that settlement and everything. Now the government comes out and says, by the way, coming this fall, you're going to be able to start your application process for passport renewal online. Why didn't we do that 10 years ago? And uh, now that we've just signed a new agreement with a whole bunch of these guys who are already crappy at renewing our passports, who are working from home, are they going to have the courage to lay them off because we won't need them? We won't need nearly that many. When you can do 90% of the work yourself at home before the government even sees your application, let's get rid of some people and save some money. But of course, the unions are terrified of that. They don't want results-based policy. They just want the status quo and more money, 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 money from those who have to work and pay the taxes. So yeah, they're very afraid of people like Daniel Smith. And uh, as, as our news editor, Dave Naylor, brought up, uh, it sounds like the UCP has put a challenge in now uh, with the NDP, with Elections Alberta, uh, because of union bosses and unions have been doing a whole lot of campaigning when supposedly they're supposed to be separate from everything. We're supposed, you know, we've got some strong rules about that with corporate involvement in parties and union involvement. And you see, think, what you've got to realize with the NDP, they're not like any other party at all. 
they get so furious whenever I point it out. For one, you can't buy a provincial NDP membership without automatically being a member of the federal NDP because it's all one party. You know, you, you can buy a UCP membership. It doesn't make you a, a member of any other party. It doesn't make you a member of the federal party. But the NDP sees all one party. They're socialists. They don't believe in diversity of view. They want centralized leadership. Also, the NDP has right in their constitution, they have to have union heads on their party board. Have to. They don't get elected to it. They get appointed to it. They get guaranteed spots within the governance of the party. She's the leader answers to the union heads. Gil McCowan, if you're not familiar with him across the country, is a lunatic who heads the Alberta Federation of Labor. He's a vile man. He's, uh, he was screaming at one of our reporters and giving him the finger that that, that picture went all over the place. Uh, he's just an, a nasty, nasty piece of work. Well, guess what? He has a guaranteed spot on the board with the party in Alberta. These are the people that want to fight all change at all means, no matter how. And that's what we got going on. So that's why I'm talking about this is an Alberta election. This is just out here. But yes, this is sort of setting the pace for everybody across the country. It's very important that the status quo doesn't win this election, that the unions don't win this election, that the NDP doesn't win this election. Not just for Albertans, but for Canadians. Smith, lots of stuff to work on. She could probably improve some things. Yes, most definitely. Every leader can. But uh, it'll be much better than the alternative. It's important that she wins this thing. Yeah, people say you're so biased. Well, yes, it's an opinion show. Just before people start sending the messages and letters like that. Yes, I don't write news copy. I'm just an opinion guy. And I've shared my opinion pretty much to the limit today, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in, all of you. I ran out of time, and boy, I had a lot more ranting left in me. But, you know, watch online for my columns and all the rest. I will have plenty more ranting where that came from for you. And uh, I will see you all again. Oh, just a moment. Looks like we have something coming from the newsroom from our news editor, Dave Naylor. What's up, Dave? Hey, Corey, we've just got some breaking news out of Edmonton where a, uh, an armed man with a gun has been uh, taken down at the Alberta legislature. Uh, very, very, it just happened moments ago. Our Arthur Green has uh, exclusive pictures and video of the, uh, of the man being arrested, but uh, a scary situation at the ledge where there are, an armed gunman uh, apparently was uh, just taken down into custody. We'll have uh, more details as they become available. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, I mean, the, 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 the situation has been at least uh, rectified. People are safe up there now. Correct. The man, the, the man with the gun is in custody. Okay. Well, well, things break fast. Well, thanks for the update, Dave. I'm, I'm glad it didn't end uh, much worse. It sounds like it could have. You bet. Thanks, Corey. All right. Thank you. So, yeah, I guess watch it in Edmonton. Boy, that sounds like some pretty scary stuff. And, uh, yeah, Arthur Green, he's got an office right in the legislature. That's our guy up there. And, uh, he will be writing up on whatever the heck happened up there. So uh, stay safe, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in again this week. Keep an eye on here. We report stuff as it breaks, as you can see on the site, on our social media channels. And uh, we will see you all again next week at this time. Well, there's some thunderclouds behind me that were pictured from yesterday. And thanks to Leighton Coke for that picture. And we got about three tenths of an inch of rain in Lethbridge here, according to the rain gauge out front. Let me know what uh, what you guys got as well. Uh, hopefully these prices today are um, not following too much of this cloud cover that we have as well, and we can get a bit of a direction again. Markets uh, a little bit of all over the place at the moment. And we got cash barley down two dollars a ton to four oh seven. Uh, feed wheat's holding steady at four oh six, and corn is unchanged at three ninety five. In the milling wheat markets, we got July Minneapolis futures rising three and a half cents to 851 per bushel, with local hard red spring bid 
for May movement at 1040 per bushel delivered. Uh, taking a look at the oilseed markets, canola futures slipped $2.20 to $740.30 per tonne with delivered values for May movement at $16.25 per bushel. In the pulse markets, red lentils are trading at $0.35 cents a pound and yellow peas are holding at $11.50 per bushel. Finishing up with the cattle markets, June live cattle slipped $0.22 cents to $163.70 per hundredweight. For more information on pricing or just to tell me how much the Leafs hopefully win tonight and don't get swept, give me a call at 403-394-1711. I'm Mike Van Dyke at Marketplace Commodities, accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. You become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny.